Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. This week, to disclaim, remove, or censor, 1940s Gone with the Wind, and yes, believe it or not, 2017's Split. Plus, we'll talk with Paul McNulty, general manager of the movies at Meadville, about film exhibition during the pandemic of 2020. And I will share my thoughts on the art of self-defense available on Hulu. Yes, I, me, John C. Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania. I'm all alone in this episode, abandoned by my peers. Do you know why you're afraid when you're alone? I do. I do. But first... On Tuesday, July 21st at 8 p.m., the Greater Erie Film Office is hosting a virtual filmmaker meetup. If you're a creative entrepreneur, filmmaker, actor, writer, or you want to network with regional artists, join us for our first in a series of regular meetups. Just go to the Greater Erie Film Office Facebook page for the details. All right, let's kick things off with some industry news, shall we? You may have seen recently that HBO Max pulled Gone with the Wind from its library to add historical context to the presentation. On June 24th, Gone with the Wind returned to the service, accompanied by two videos, one short and one long. In the long one, it was a TCM Classic Film Festival panel from 2019, where film scholar Jacqueline Stewart says, producer David Oselznick was well aware that black audiences were deeply concerned about the film's handling of the topic of slavery and its treatment of black characters. The film's treatment of this world through a lens of nostalgia denies the horrors of slavery as well as its legacies of racial inequality. In my humble opinion, this is the correct way to handle the historical piece of art that is Gone with the Wind, not censoring or editing the original work, but providing supporting materials for context, thought, and discussion. Who agrees with me? Who? Who? What are you, a fucking owl? Another development you may not have heard of is from Netflix subscribers outside of the U.S. to remove M. Night Shyamalan's 2017 thriller Split from the service. The hashtag is GetSplitOffNetflix, and the online petition on change.org has over 1,800 signatures. From the petition, Disassociative Identity Disorder, or DID, is a coping mechanism developed in response to intense, repetitive childhood trauma. This disorder is characterized by the presence of two or more personality states or alters. In the movie Split, written and directed by M. Night Shyamalan, a man with DID is portrayed as a predator. This movie inaccurately represents the disorder in many ways, over-exaggerating the rarity of the disorder, insinuating that those impacted are capable of complete physical metamorphosis, and most importantly, highlighting the false stigma created in Hollywood introduced by films like Psycho, that people with DID are more likely to be violent or will in some way inflict harm onto others. In fact, those with the disorder, as with any mental health condition, are more likely to be victimized than to be perpetrators. 
Fiction, by definition, is a story form that describes imaginary events or people. It's a slippery slope if we start banning fictional stories. I do not have disassociative identity disorder, but I can imagine it's an extremely difficult experience for the afflicted and their loved ones. But as artists, chances are pretty good our stories are going to offend someone, be picked apart for inaccuracies, or be warmly or coldly received for challenging one's point of views. Michael Haneke once said that film is 24 lies per second at the service of truth or at the service of the attempt to find the truth. And that's the type of films that I personally gravitate towards. But sure, some films are merely popcorn entertainment and they only exist to entertain. If a film fails in that attempt for whatever the reasons, then it fails. And you can punish those filmmakers or the studio by not streaming it or not buying a ticket for it. Or you can critique it for being inaccurate with a poor review or a post. But should Split be banned from Netflix because its fictional central character portrays disorder inaccurately? My first film, Schism, had a main character with Alzheimer's. I researched the disease and based some details on the experiences my father described to me before he passed. It was a goal of mine to try and portray things as accurately as I could to an extent. But did I feel that this was the rule? No, it was my choice. The material was close to me, and that's how I wanted to handle it. But what if I wanted to make a different kind of Alzheimer's story? That's the great thing about art. There aren't any rules. Artistic expression is a human right. But Neil in Schism, as portrayed by actor Terry Smith, or Dennis, Patricia, Hedwig, The Beast, Kevin Crumb, Barry, Orwell, or Jade, in Split and Glass, as portrayed by actor James McAvoy, are fictional characters in made-up stories. And I feel they're off-limits. Must be nice to always believe you know better. To always think you're the smartest person in the room. What do you say, dear listener? I'm now joined by our special guest this week, Paul McNulty of Movies at Meadville. Paul, you're the general manager there at the movies? Yes. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us. How have you been? Pleasure to be here. Doing pretty well under the circumstances. Yes, under the circumstances, of course. And um, we'll get into that uh, very soon. Are you originally from Meadville, from this region? I'm not. I kind of of grew up in uh, Westfield, New York. I got into managing McDonald's and then Ponderosa, and that kind of led me to Meadville. I've been with the movie since uh, 2006. They opened in 2005, so I was there about six months after they opened. Okay, so you've been at the movies for, for quite a while. That's awesome. Since the beginning. So how, how have things been going? I know my mom, she lives in Edinburgh, and she loves going to the movies at Meadville. I guess you guys have a, maybe it's a Tuesday, you guys have a discount. We have a bargain. Okay. Yeah, yeah Tuesdays are bargain day where tickets are uh, normally, they're $5 and then you have dollar popcorn. Okay. Yeah. So she, she enjoys that. I'm sure she's far from the only one uh, that takes advantage. People from Edinburgh and even all the way from Erie coming down okay. and like the bargain day. Sometimes they'll make a whole movie, you know, three or four movies in one day. You know, they'll watch wow. for 20 bucks. And yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Um, how many, remind me how many screens you have at the movies? We have 10 screens. Okay, 10 screens. Fantastic. Um, how do you, do you uh, usually split it up? I know with, um, you know, some other theaters, they'll have 
you know, like one or two screens with some art houses. Maybe sometimes they'll show some classics. How do you guys usually do your, your programming? With being a small market, it's hard for us to get some of the limited release, you know, movies. The, uh, the art classic ones are very tough for us to get. You know, when they only release them to, you know, 200 theaters nationwide and we're in line somewhere around 2,500, uh, is there's that many theaters in line before us before we can even get some. Of course. So typically, we are the big blockbusters, um, you know, the big movies, that the two or three that come out every week. Which movies seem to do best for you guys, would you say, historically? Oh, the, uh, the action, the, the superhero type movies, Avengers, that kind of movie. Yeah, the Marvel, Marvel and DC yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Family movies do well too. Very good. Um, and do you guys have uh, adult beverages there as well? We, we have a we have a a bar. It's a very it's a limited bar, um, but there's like five or six different kind of beers on tap, and uh, you know a limited mixed menu that you can have, and a few wine coolers and wines and things like that. Do you have the option for if either local filmmakers or other um, People would want to book a theater for special events. Do you guys have anything like That's that? Something we're, we're very involved in the community. So uh, I kind of run it like I own it. And uh, I rent out theaters. I'll donate theaters. We'll, an event last week where we actually had a person come in and actually propose to his girlfriend. Whoa. That was about the sixth one that we had where they actually you know, brought in uh, something they wanted to see. We rented it out to them. And uh, you know, at times we'll actually have people even cater you know, bringing the catering, uh, you know, food and everything for people. Oh, that's awesome. So you guys are very flexible as far as special event booking. Yes. Yes. I, I guess it probably depends on the day of the week and how many people you're, you're expecting. Do you have on your website, like pricing for such things? If people are interested, typically they, they get my email and they contact me. Everything depends. We typically will not do it on the Friday or Saturday, you know, or the bargain day Tuesday. So usually, uh, you know, people mostly want to do it in an evening, but I've had a lot of businesses that rent a theater out in the morning and they want to have whatever they can put on their computer and they can bring in, you know, a, a bunch of people and actually do a live simulcast. Uh, we've done several times with different businesses. Okay. So, so you could even have meetings and presentations and stuff, huh? Yes, definitely. Oh, okay. So um, your interface with the, with the projection is it works pretty good with a laptop, it sounds like, huh? Yeah, it's pretty neat. Actually, it looks better on the big screen than it does on their personal laptop. When they do oh, that. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure it looks fantastic. I'll have some of my uh, managers and ushers. I'll let them sometimes stay up late and they'll bring in their Xbox and some of their gaming system. And when they put it on that 50 foot screen, it's like, are you, it's, it's crazy. Oh yeah. Gaming would be cool there too. Yeah, actually. Have you guys ever had any like gaming events? A couple people rent it for games. Mm -hmm. um, you know, typically it can be a, we obviously we have to cancel a movie or uh, right have a showing, so it can be a couple hundred dollars to rent the theater out. But I've had some people that you know did a whole uh, contest on one of those one of those gaming systems, and you know I can't remember the name. It was one of those shoot 'em up ones. <laughs> sure. You know we they had that split screen where two people were playing at the same time and they had a competition. It was pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. How, what what are the um, seating ranges? I guess for your for your screens, do you have some smaller and some bigger? Yeah, we got four four screens that are smaller that sit around you know eighty to ninety people. Then we got four medium screens that seat about one hundred and fifteen, and then we got two big screens that seat about two hundred and thirty. Okay, fantastic. And we we have different seating too. We have general admission seating, which is a stadium seating, and like in most theaters, and then we have what we call VIP seats. 
And those are the leather recliners that you can push a button and lay all the way back. And they're, they're up front, so they're a little bit close. In a big theater, they're good for me, but in a smaller theater, it's too close for me. But I've got some people that will just buy the VIP seats because they're, they're, they're huge and they're leather recliners and they'll never buy another ticket. You know, and some people they like sitting up close. I personally don't as well, but I know some people love it, right? I a little motion sickness on those big, you know, Avenger movies. I'm like, wow, you know, <laughs> I got some people that that's the only seat they ever want now. Yeah, well, then you have plenty of options. Um, did you guys? I, I'm trying to remember when the whole um, film to digital projection switched over. Did you guys miss all of that? Have you always been digital? No, it's we were 35 millimeter. So okay. yeah, that was a that was a learning curve, and uh, that was one of those, you know, at that time to bring in the digital and to have it installed. It was about a hundred thousand a a uh, theater, you know, a screen. Wow. So it cost us about a million dollars to go digital, and but we had no choice. It's either do that or you close up because you know after a year or so of yeah, what was it, 2015 or so, they they weren't making them at uh, 35 millimeter anymore. Right. Wow. Yeah. Or you had to show old movies. That's a major, major investment. Um, do you guys do have 3D as well? 3D we options? I have two screens that has 3D. Okay. Wow. So you guys have, have a bunch of stuff. As as it used to be. 3D is, is not as good as it used to be. Um, if you remember Avatar, that oh, yeah. kind of launched the 3D. There was some Avatar or there were some 3D movies before that, but Avatar was the big one that was incredible in 3D. And Absolutely. it was filmed in, in 3D with the special camera and all. Everybody jumped on the bagwag and all these studios, they converted movies into 3D. Yeah. They were horrible. And people didn't want to pay the extra couple bucks for 3D. And they stopped coming to 3D after the last couple of years. So it's it's rare to get a 3D movie that you actually will take now just because nobody, it's a dead dead screen. Nobody's in there. Right, right. Yeah. It's a shame because the 3D, the experience... You know, we have real D 3D and the experience is amazing if it's done right. Um, but when it's not done right, it's just, you just feel like you're gypped as a customer. Yeah, I agree with you there. I'm, I'm a, a purist myself. So when, you know, the whole 3D craze after Avatar happened, you could always, you know, look online and I would always see if the film was actually, you know, natively shot in 3D. Maybe you were the same way. I was the same way. We actually told people too. We, they asked, is it worth it or not? And we would tell them if it's filmed in 3D, yes. If it's not, don't bother. Yeah. Yeah, that's sad, but yeah. The way it went. Tim, what kind of sound system do you guys have in there these days? 5.1 sound system. So it's, Cool. You know, surround sound. You've got oh, when we were we were closed for this COVID nineteen, I personally was the only person, and I I cleaned the cedars and I got on ladders and was cleaning the speakers up there. And you know, there's like twenty to thirty speakers, you know, up top around surrounding you, and then behind the screen you got these huge, you know, subwoofers and six foot tall speakers that just blow you and vibrate you in your seat. Uh, so yeah. it's quite the sound system. Good stuff. Yeah, you can't quite duplicate this at home. Yeah, as we get into, you know, COVID and looking forward, you know, I guess just to kind of tease my opinion, I, I don't think you'll ever um, be able to duplicate the theater experience somewhere. So I think it's a crucial part of the of the art form, I think. All right, so we go through 2019, we get into 2020, and then we all find out that, uh, you know, we're shutting down and, and we're in lockdown. So what was the experience like for you guys and how has it been? Well, when when did you guys reopen? Remind me when you reopened this year. We shut down March 15th and then we reopened June 6th. So you're almost uh, three. Our county went green. Uh, I believe you're up in Erie County. 
Crawford County down here. It's we went green way before you guys. Yeah, you're able to reopen. You know, uh, <laughs> June, so, June. so you're quiet for about three months. Yeah, how how has it been? And walk me through some of the logistics of um, you know re reopening during a a pandemic. How how does how does it look? <laughs> well, the, the worst part was you have to lay off all your crew so they can get unemployment. And uh, the good news for my crew was they made a lot more money with the, uh, with the government helping. Uh, they made a lot more money than they actually would. So that, that was good. They were able to help pay their bills and actually save a little bit extra money while they were off. Mm-hmm. Reopening was interesting because the biggest thing is there was not a clear cut procedure on what to do and how to reopen and what to sanitize and, and what do you know, do you make people wear masks? Do you wear gloves? You know, all of that combined, there was just no set, you know, it was all yeah. kind of, Pennsylvania, the governor said, okay, we could reopen. We're going to come out with all these guidelines. Well, the guidelines didn't come out till like the night before, uh, you know, June 5th, June 6th. And we're yeah. like, okay. So we kind of already kind of had figured stuff out. So, you yeah. know, I've gone down and put, I, I'm pretty handy with, with tools and stuff. So I got plexiglass, you know, at every register. Um, we're asking, you know, we got, I got signs all over the place and stickers on the floor for social distancing. You know, we're, we're sanitized. We sanitize the place down top to bottom, you know, including the seats. Anytime anybody leaves, we're sanitizing the seat that they sat in. So these seats are, you know, sanitized, you know, daily. We, we do ask people when they do come in to wear their mask. Um, it's the nice thing is the, uh, Pennsylvania just went to mandatory in public. You got to wear a mask. And that actually helped us because that was the biggest issue. Was you got you got some people that just refuse to wear a mask and some people that have want everybody to wear a mask. Which had to have made it a, a an, political battle. Yeah, for sure. And you, you guys just want to serve, serve your audience, right? I, I was wondering about that because, you know, you're not security guards. It's like <laughs> you just want people to have a good time. You don't want to have to like, police people right yeah and we don't want to police people but i also have an obligation to protect my crew you know and they're wearing masks and gloves and uh you know if i've got a customer that may have the symptoms may not have the symptoms but could be carrying the COVID 19 and they if they infect my crew we're shut down you know and you know how long you got to then sanitize everything everybody's got to get tested and you know we're, you're seeing what happens when different restaurants and different places where where it gets into the last thing we want is something you know somebody here to get get sick with it of course of course that's understandable so you've been it's been what almost a month then that you guys have been open huh i mean i would imagine you had people that were excited to come back out and then people probably over time have your numbers been it's going up slow. over time it's very slow i think P, okay. uh, number one i think the last couple of weeks the weather's been outstanding you know just sunny for two weeks in a row no rain you know, rain brings people in, but even like today, we'll see what happens today with the, we got some storms down here. So if we lose each other, that's because there's a big storm going on overhead. Sure. I think it's coming up your way, but it, it's very, very slow. There's, we're seeing very few seniors, you know, okay. seniors population that, you know, affect them crucially and they could not, may not survive it. So I yeah. don't want the seniors for not coming back out, you know, but we're getting a lot of kids and families. You, you know, if you come right now, you could have a theater by yourself. Well, well, we are. Another thing is there's no new product, right? Generally speaking, there is no new product. So we've been bringing in a lot of the classic films. You know, I mean, we brought in even you know Grease, Back to the Future, some of the Harry Potters, Star Wars, Disney. Disney just uh, last week 
let us they're releasing three movies a week for like five weeks inside out comes out this week so some of the classics disney finally is letting us release or see but it's what they want we don't get to just pick and choose uh-huh okay all of the streaming things with hulu and and disney plus and all that netflix you know they've got certain things that if they're running these movies they're not allowed theaters aren't allowed to show them they can't get them Oh, wow. So trying to figure out what kind of movies we can get. So are you working directly with the studios or do you, I, I mean, I guess I, I don't understand the logistics of, do you have like a booking agent that works for you or, okay. We got a, we got a booking agent that uh, works with, with me. He doesn't have too many theaters open right now. So um, he's kind of working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, he kind of, we kind of got a list, Universal, Warner Brothers. They've got some movies that we've been able to pick from, you know, some of the Batman um, okay. Been able to bring in um, cool. a little bit of everything. We kind of, kind of pick, you know, some of the family movies, kid movies, and then you know maybe a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just had Annabella in. Okay. Right. Do you are you getting any new movies at all? Because I don't know if you. We've been following this story about um, this low budget uh, indie horror movie called The Wretched. Have you heard about The Wretched? I, I've heard it, but I don't know a lot about it. Okay. <laughs> The only new movie that's we're getting, uh, the first new movie that we're able to get is called Relic, and that opened okay. Friday. Yeah, I was gonna say that's pretty new, right? Yeah, that that comes out. I think it actually came out uh, limited in one or two theaters last weekend, but a wide release. What they say, wide release, but most theaters are closed. Sure. But uh, yeah, uh, July tenth is Friday. Relic okay. comes. Nation of how many um, brick and mortar theaters are open now across the country? No, it's, I don't know. I, I mean, obviously, you're talking these big states of Texas and Florida and California, and I know Michigan theaters that we I you know have relations with over in Michigan, and they have, they've never been open. They're not allowed to open in Michigan. So there's not too many theaters that I know of open. I don't believe Tinseltown's open yet. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're open yet. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So. I, I guess the big ones everybody are, is waiting on is Mulan and Tenant, right? Yeah, I believe, uh, let's see, I believe Relic is this week. Unhinged, I think, comes out. In the oh, yeah, the Russell Crowe one. Yep, and then Tenant comes out, I think, August 12th. And Mulan was supposed to be out in August, but I believe they may have just changed that to December. Okay. Yeah, so it's ever... Ever changing, which has got to be every week. They're, they're changing these things, and they really have no choice because if you have theaters not open in most of the big states, on their you know they spent two hundred million to make this movie, they need some money back to pay for it. Right? How do you? I know it's really hard to say, but how do you think? You know, we're in July now. Uh, we've got half of the year behind us. The last half ahead. Um, I mean, we're all kind of, it feels like we're all kind of watching Tenant and Mulan and that's kind of seems to be the barometer for the industry, right? Whenever they pull the trigger and they release these two films, it's kind of like then Hollywood is all in. Do you kind of feel the same way that it's kind of all up to Warner Brothers and Disney at this point? You know, it's it's frustrating because I mean, with the virus, you know, spiking back up, I, I just see them continuing to move these states can reopen their theaters and i just don't see that happening soon yeah uh, they're saying some of these uh you, you know it's hard to tell i mean i i don't have a crystal ball i you know if i did i'd say okay someone's gonna come up with a with a <laughs> vaccine tomorrow and everybody sure. and we all get go back That'd to be nice you know i think uh just talking from the industry 
perspective, you know, the studio system has gotten so locked into this opening weekend and making a big splash in these big numbers. I think that kind of mentality is hurting theaters right now because say you have 500 theaters open, um, you know, and there's still 3,500 or something like that that aren't able to open safely. What would be the harm them, this is just hypothetically, but what is the harm in releasing Tenant in those 500 theaters and then when the next 500 opens, you, you release it into those and you just keep going that way? Like, it seems like the system is built up. You know, the film's done. We all know the film's been done, right? It's, it's been wanting to come out for months and people are hungry for it. To me, it would just be a situation of okay, yeah, New York and LA, you can't open right now, but you know, there's still a lot of fans that are able to get to a theater. Why can't we just have Tenant be releasing for the next year <laughs> instead of focused on, you know, we have to release it all at once? I don't know. What do you, what do you think about them changing up the, the formula? Well, it's, it's I agree. Uh, as a you know small independent theater, we need new movies. Um, you know, it's it's the new movies is what's going to bring people out, um, and not getting them. You know, even we're open with with older classics, and uh, it's we're bringing in a little bit of money, but definitely not enough to pay the bills. We're still, you know, going in the red. You know, yeah. being open. You know, I, I understand the studios and what they you know they want that big bang for the buck. There's going to be a time they're going to have so many big blockbusters when we do get through this and where most theaters do reopen, it is going to be two or three or four big blockbusters every single week. I think it's going to be crazy and it's going to be fun for the, uh, the moviegoers to, to have your choice of all these big blockbusters all out every week. You're going to be able to <laughs> movies and it's one after another because they're going to be so backlogged. In a way though, that might, I'm just thinking aloud again, but that might hurt their business too though, right? Because if you have, so many big films coming out, some of them are going to fail and probably more than normally would just naturally. Yeah, it almost feels like they need to really push back their release schedule and, and time it out really slowly. Or if they do what, what you just described, I mean, you could see a lot of $100, $200 million films completely flop and they could hurt themselves. <laughs> I see that too. <laughs> Nobody's happy about the situation, that's for sure. Yeah, it, it's the reason I brought up The Wretched is because um, this is a, a very low-budget film, you know, in Hollywood terms. Uh, from what we can estimate, it was probably made for around three, four hundred thousand dollars and it was the only film that opened in May and it we haven't followed it for like the past several weeks but it more than like tripled its budget between drive-in movie theaters and the few theaters that were open you know in a perfect world Paul it would be kind of kind of one of those situations where you know independence could help independence yeah I'll actually uh, email my booker uh, later today to see if we can even bring it in. I'm willing to bring anything in and I'll take some local talent because I know there's a lot of local movies. You know, I've got a couple of my managers and all that, you know, love to make horror movies and stuff. We show a lot of their stuff. Um, yeah, I'm kind of thinking, because uh, recently we talked to the owners at the Sunset Drive-In too and, and talked to them about, hey, what, you know, what, would you guys show more locally produced films or regionally produced films? Um, and they were open too. They just said, you know, on our off nights, which makes sense. You know, people want to show up on the weekends and in the big nights for the 
for the big films. Um, but yeah, it's like could be a potential opportunity depending on how flexible booking agents are and stuff like that. You know, people want to see something new in addition to you know, the familiar classics and stuff like that. So yeah, just curious to, to get your thoughts about. I, I love uh, bringing in different stuff and doing different things at the, at the movies at Meadville. And uh, sometimes it's very hard in the past. It's been very hard to do with only 10 screens and say there's three average of three movies every Friday that comes. And we have contracts with Disney and, and Warner Brothers and Universal and Paramount. You you know, you have, we have contracts that we have to take their movie if they tell us to. When we, when our film booker makes a, uh, you know, says, okay, we're going to get uh, the wretched, you have to keep it. They, they do a contract where we have to keep it for six weeks. Okay. So uh-huh. Maybe it, it's good the first week, but then dies. It's in a screen for six weeks because that's in contract. We have no choice. We have to keep it. Mm-hmm. So with three movies out every week, you quickly with only 10 screens, quite often we're, we're stuck. We can't, we don't have an open screen that we can even take take a limited release of course give us a limited release movie yeah that that makes only 10 screens with with 17 screens like pencil town you wonder why they can get some of these i know they do some of the uh the orchestras and some different stuff up there in uh, some of the fathom events and uh you know we're not able to do that because i'm i'm in contract with all these studios and everybody thinks well why can't you get this film two reasons Um, number one we don't have any space we're we're in contracts we have no space and the other one is then the studios quite often, you know, maybe an urban film, we want to get an urban film in Meadville. They won't even release it to Meadville because it doesn't, when we do get some urban films, they don't do well. Okay. And everybody thinks that's our choice. And that's, no, we want the films. We love these films. Yeah. The, the studio actually says, no, it doesn't past history. These films don't do well in Meadville and we're not going to even give it to you. You know, and then we have to deal with, with, with the people that, you know, why can't, why don't you get this film? You never get these films. And it's, right. We need to, email facebook whatever to the studios themselves because we're trying understood to wrap up and again appreciate your time very much if we have some people in meadville um that maybe have you know said like you you said before in in normal times they've been frustrated with not being able to see a certain film or certain types of films or if we have local filmmakers you know this might be an opportunity um what would you recommend that they do and as far as getting a hold of of you, assuming you're the guy. Yeah. So maybe share whatever contact information you would like. And as far as local filmmakers, do they basically just need the film in polished working order on a digital file on a laptop kind of yeah, thing? Whatever they can show on their laptop, we can show. We you know we we can put the uh, input right into the projector. Okay, like HDMI or something. Yeah, it's, it's we can put it right into like an HDMI, then we can use their kind of their speaker to go into our sound system that's amazing that's yeah. cool <laughs> it is pretty neat um and who like say for example there's an organization um that would like to bring in a movie or maybe have a special event with you as well um how how should people contact the movies at meadville they can contact us you know uh, on our website at www.themoviesat.com they can call the theater at 814-333-2727, ask for Paul. And they could even email me if they want. And it's P-C-M-C-N-U-L-T-Y, P-C-McNulty at yahoo.com. Excellent. Well, Paul, thank you so much for your time. And um, hopefully, you know, we can send you some more business and um, yeah, maybe uh, bring bring people some different options and, until we get back to normal times here. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. 
It was great talking with Paul and Dennis Coper from the Sunset Drive-In a couple episodes back. They're out there on the front lines of exhibition, keeping our cinematic dreams and hopes alive through this pandemic. My conquistadors. Always conquering. All right, so this week's film is The Art of Self-Defense, available on Hulu, chosen by Mike Berlin. After being attacked on the street, a young man enlists in a local dojo led by a charismatic and mysterious sensei in an effort to learn how to defend himself from future threats. The film stars Jesse Eisenberg, Alessandro Nivola, and Imogen Poots. And I thought it was okay. Eisenberg proves once again to be this generation's best successor to Woody Allen, minus all the baggage. With his neurotic and quirky acting tics, Nivola is a great alpha male, and Imogen Poots continues to avoid being pigeonholed in her career choices. The film opens with Jesse's character in a restaurant alone. A French couple enters and makes fun of him, judging him based on his demeanor and appearance while he continues reading the newspaper. But then we see in the next scene, he's on his 26th French language lesson. He then tries to make conversation with a group of jocks in the break room at his day job. They all stare in awkward silence, judging him. He asks what magazine they're looking at, but they tell him to get the fuck out. After hours, he takes their cool guy magazine and photocopies it to secretly look at its nudie pics when he gets home. That night, he goes to feed his dog, but they're out of dog food. He feels awful and apologizes to the dog. On his walk back from the store, he's savagely attacked. On the radio, he's described as a 35-year-old dog owner and that no one should go outside unless they have a gun. Yeah, so these scenes uh, say pretty much everything you need to know about the film and the worldview that's presented by writer-director Riley Kearns. It's a dark, awkward comedy with a pathetic central character who doesn't fit into his world. And frankly, it's shocking that he's survived this long. He wants to change his life, so he joins a dojo, meets a badass woman, ditches the French for German, becomes rude and sexist, gets in way over his head, and people die. As an example, here's a bit of wisdom that his macho sensei shares with him. There's things in life that men do and things that women do, and some things that men and women do together, like ride a bicycle or have sex. But even then, men ride a tandem bike to please the woman, and sex is the other way around. Karate is a thing for men. I love this setup, and it's one of those movies that locked a smirk onto my face for most of its runtime. But it's a film with no nuance, no gray spaces. You're either a pathetic sissy or a complete aggressive asshole. So perhaps that's the point. And I was along for the ride, but the art of self-defense started to lose me in its final chapters, and I think it just wore me out. Fans of offbeat humor with a deadpan style would be better served to rewatch the films of Yorgos Lanthimos. He's a master in this space. 
As I mentioned earlier, The Art of Self-Defense was written and directed by Riley Stearns. Stearns' previous film was 2014's Faults, starring Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Leland Orser, and it's about a cult deprogrammer who tries to help a young woman. I think it's a much stronger film. It's available on Amazon Prime. All right, assuming that the full complement of Film Grain hosts will be returning for you next episode... I'm going to choose two films this week for everyone to watch and discuss. The first is Crawl, which is the new film from French filmmaker Alexandre Aya. It's about a young woman in Florida searching for her father during a hurricane and the pack of alligators that she encounters along the way. It's a whole lot of fun. I'm also recommending Starfish, which is a survival film of a different kind. A young woman is trapped in an apartment in the dead of winter and has to go on a mission to save the world through the clues that she finds in a collection of mixtapes scattered all over an abandoned town surrounded by monsters. Both of these films are available on Amazon Prime and on Hulu. And I can't wait for my co-hosts to check them out. That's been my episode. Check out The Art of Self-Defense on Hulu and let us know what you think in the comments section on Facebook. Maybe you got a lot more out of it than I did. Let's hear it. Next week, our guest will be Saucy Nova, musician and owner of Retro United Inc. Make sure and follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. Ernest Hemingway once wrote, the world is a fine place and worth fighting for. I agree with the second part. Until next time, this was Film Grain. <laughs>